From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight sucks. We stay at home to talk a lot of losing in the land. Then we hit the road to talk NFL storylines, college football's no news weekend, and the world's biggest sporting event. Off the field, we turn to the one man who can lift us up in our time of need. We are all ears to talk Bruce Springsteen's newly released album, Only the Strong Survive. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, um, after this week, how much do you miss the Guardians? <laughs> uh, that's a seven out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah, man. I, I I know we talked before we started, but I'm, I said I'm glad they didn't play today because they would have lost too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glad those playoffs are done. Whoa, man. Rough week in Cleveland sports. Let's get after it. Staying at home, starting with our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. And well, shit, that was awful. The Cavs <laughs> were lost in the flood for three straight losses out West before returning home for a not good three and a half quarters of shorthanded sleepwalking before a furious 20 point comeback came up just short against the Timberwolves earlier tonight. Cavs finished the week eight and five, tied for fourth in the East with the Atlanta Hawks. Scale of one to five, one being Arbor Mist Zinfandel Sangria, a delicious blend of citrus, cherry, and other unidentified flavors. <laughs> five being Byler, born to run Cabernet Sauvignon. How would you rate this week for the Cavs? One's shitty, right? And five because <laughs> yeah. it's born to run. Bruce yeah. is great. Yeah. Uh, it's a Zinfandel sangria with unidentified flavors. I would say that's pretty <laughs> shitty. I think all sangria is unidentified flavors. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit at a one only because I can't go any lower. Yeah, that's that's a one. There was a lot of unidentified flavors in the week, and and that's even worse, I guess, than identifying your flavors as as putrid <laughs> from from last <laughs> week. Yeah, rancid, <laughs> rancid. rancid. That's what even rancid. better. Oh yeah, putrid would be a step up. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with a two. Only because I feel somewhat uplifted by the comeback at the end of the game against the Timberwolves this afternoon. Other than that, Denko stole my joke. I was going to say I saw a lot of unidentified flavors during the week for the Cavs <laughs> as they lost a bunch of games. I hate to recycle a scale, but scale of one to five, one being the church lady, five being Jenna Jameson. How would you rate the Cavs as finishers this week? <laughs> So that's a church lady one this week. I think uh, definitely two, maybe three of the four games. They had double digit leads in the fourth quarter and could not finish. I'm trying to remember the church lady's like tagline. She like, isn't that, isn't special? that special? Isn't that, isn't that special? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that special? I laughed at it when I was younger, not funny now. So it's a one. <laughs> I would go back and check that out. I bet that's still funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it a one. I don't know what the answer is for what happened with this team that, closed out those Boston games so well and had a few other wins like that through the early stretch of the season and then came into this game, these games on the West Coast, just couldn't get it done. What'd you see since you watched all the games, Phil? I saw in a couple of those games, the other team out calved the Cavs. They they had seven or eight guys in double digits and they were just spreading the ball all over the court. And the Cavs, they they get into this funk of relying on a couple guys in the, or at least in this, in this last stretch of games, they relied on a couple guys, guys to do the heavy lifting and scoring. And it just, it just didn't work out. And I think it, it keeps the other 
the other parts of this team out of rhythm, certainly the games they couldn't close those first three games, you know, you, you had, it was Garland or Mitchell. You, you were going to win or die with Garland or Mitchell and they were playing. Okay. I mean, Garland was not scoring like he did tonight, but they just weren't hitting the shots down the stretch and no one else was in rhythm. I, I think the Kings, the Kings reminded me of the Cavs from last year. They, I, I think they had eight guys in double figures a, against us that night. Chuck, what do you think? What went wrong for the Cavs in the fourth quarter all week long? There are a lot of issues, but I should preface this by saying a an early season tough West Coast swing with a young team still trying to find an identity in, in mixing and matching lineups. I didn't think it'd be this bad, but Phil, Phil's pretty right on. What, what went really bad for them, their half-court offense is brutal, uh, especially down the stretch. I, I think I'll say like Mitchell and Garland, they don't have great chemistry yet. I didn't expect them to have great chemistry. That's why I think today was really good for Garland to play without Mitchell today. But overall, Phil's pretty much right. Like, there was a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of rely on the fact that, like, you need somebody other than Mitchell to ball handle and play create with two bigs and no wings. And that just wasn't happening down the stretch. So there, there's a lot, a lot of issues there. And maybe they're, they're like a little worn down. That's a tough trip for a young team to make and have that many games uh, in that stretch. So I want to give them a little leeway here, but it was just overall pretty piss poor. From what I saw in the two games I watched this week, they had a lot of trouble hitting free throws and catching the ball. I can't believe how many guys, how many times Jetty or Levert had passes or like rebounds, hit him in the hands, just go bouncing out of bounds. Like, what are you guys doing? Grab the fucking ball. You know, those types of mistakes, especially if you're looking at trying to pull out a road win against the Warriors, those kind of mistakes are going to kill you. So that probably is kind of along the lines of what Chuck is saying. That's a fatigue issue, maybe, that they just, those kind of tiny little detail things like that kind of fall apart when you're on the tail end of that kind of a trip. But a lot of ugly basketball and a lot of, like you're saying, like bad half-court sets and plays and not getting into an offense until there's only seven seconds left on the shot clock. That kills you against most teams, especially against good ones. Looking back to last week's show, We had a really long talk about how good the Cavs' depth was. This week, the bench shit the bed in pretty much every game. Were we wrong about that depth? I don't think we're wrong. I just think it didn't really show up in any game this week. And it was a bunch of different lineups. Like today, like bench players were starting. And and Stevens, who hasn't played at all, started started today and did did pretty well. So again, I I think we talked about in the preview, like there's going to be some tinkering with these lineups. I don't think we're wrong. It it was a just a shit week all around for that for that team. So I'm not ready to say they're not deep or or, are we over exaggerated how good their bench is. Uh, It's probably somewhere in the middle, like they're deep enough and their bench is pretty good, but uh, it's not what they showed this week for sure. We'll learn more about it as the season goes on. I don't think we're wrong necessarily. I think that the depth will be key in the long, in these, it's such a long season, but what they're tinkering with to Chuck's point is when you have guys like love and Jetty on the floor, do you leave Garland? Do you leave Mitchell? Like who, who's running the offense at that time? And that, I think as the season goes on, they'll get a better idea. And maybe it's Ricky Rubio, you know, at some point, maybe that's the guy that, that helps that depth. We talked about it with the guardians all season. You get that one guy in the right spot and it really lengthens everything out. So you get that guy with the the second team where you're not having these 
15 point quarters in like the second or third quarter. Not that this, that hasn't happened every game this year, but the Cavs have kind of fallen back into that rut a little bit too, where they're just not getting any scoring. It doesn't have to be sharpshooting the whole time. If there's a guy distributing the ball, like wh why can't guys like, I mean, Love and Osmond can shoot, but all right, get these other athletic guys, Levert, you know, uh, Stevenson, whoever playing above the rim, catching alley-oops, pick and roll, whatever you got to do. So I think they got to figure out this guard play a little bit, and that'll go a long way. I don't want to put too much on one bad week. You know, they definitely did not look as good as they did in the first two weeks of the season, but it's a long trip. They're a young team, yada, 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 yada. The small forward position continues to be a big problem. That hole in the lineup got a little bit more glaring during this past week. Is the solution on the team or is there a move that needs to be made? Or like the last question, is it still too early to decide? I'm going to lean towards it's still too early to decide. If it's on the team, it's got to be a combination of Osman, Akuro, maybe Levert, but he tends to play that two guard more than the, the small forward, right? So I don't know. We have so much young talent. I'd hate to make a move just to get some slightly above or below average small forward. So I think it's too early. I let, let these guys round into form. I mean, Akuro actually scored some points tonight. That was interesting. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that continues as the season goes on. Oh, that poor guy. I hope that guy gets it together, man. I really like for him to be successful. Yeah, he's so young. Yeah. He's so young. Yeah. How many points did he, did he have double digits or is it like eight or nine? No, I think at eight. I think at eight. eight. Yeah. 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 I, I'm on a, I, I, I think we're all pulling for this guy. I, I don't know if the solutions on this roster for what we expect this team to do or, or how they're supposed to play. Cause it's becoming a glaring need to me, but I fall back a little bit. Yeah. It, it's still early and, and Coro's really young. Like he's younger than most rookies. Isn't he? Like he's, is he 20? Maybe he's super 21. Yeah. 20 or 21. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Yeah. So uh, there, there's time um, for him to develop a little more, but I think if they're going to make any move this year, it's it's for help there. It's got to be for help there. I can't imagine there's a need to fill something else. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen there. But I tend to think that there's still still plenty of time to work it out. You know, like the one thing that they missed oddly this week, I think, was Dean Wade. He missed a few games, I think, with a knee injury. And I think they could have really used him. That guy has played really well and has kind of given them that that outside shooting from the small forward position that they need to create the spacing that we always talk about. Oddly enough, not having Dean Wade this week seems like it was a pretty big deal for the Cavs. But I have, mostly by you two, but by others as well, been laughed at at least a couple of times for arguing my theory that losing is sometimes a good thing. So... <laughs> What is the silver lining in this losing streak? I think Mobley's played a lot better this week. He's been more aggressive, and I think he's kind of dumbed, I don't want to say dumbed down his game, but most of his shots are high percentage from within like seven to 10 feet of the rim. Uh, I love the way he played against the Warriors because he really took advantage of that size mismatch and he was aggressive. Yeah. So if, if anything, that, and maybe even, it's not just this week, but it's mostly Mobley, but uh, I think Kevin Love's playmaking ability has been pretty underrated so far in this young season as well. Like he's done a bunch, but I'll focus more on Mobley. Like I like the fact that he was more aggressive and, he, and he's he's taking shots closer to the rim. Except today, right? He, he didn't play that. He didn't score that much today. He had an interesting game today. I it started like he was going to play really well, and then it didn't. It no. didn't end up happening. But anyway, I think another silver lining might just be focused on on Darius Garland. He he came back at the beginning of this trip after that injury you could tell he was still not 
Darius Garland yet. Like he was kind of struggling to find his groove. And as the injuries persisted through the week, he got his chance to be the Darius of last year where, all right, we're going to score. So I think maybe a silver lining is today. I kept, I kept seeing two in the fourth quarter uh, as, as play would stop uh, Darius Garland would jog over to the sideline and, and Donovan Mitchell would kind of coach him up a little bit. So maybe it goes a long way to start to develop their chemistry and knowing that, okay, we can kind of feed the hot hand between the two of them. And maybe they'll feel better about that too, where neither one of them, and we don't want, this is not a good sign. If either one of them has to score 50 points in a game, no, we don't want yeah, that. No, right. right? <laughs> but, but if they can start playing off each other and both, both end up in the, in the mid twenties, maybe that's the silver lining that comes out of the, the way this week progressed. For me, the silver lining is that from small things, big things come. One bad week may be needed for a long run of winning. Uh, the team got off this fast start, and, and and maybe they just needed to be humbled a little bit. And Denko is bouncing all over the screen laughing at me right now. <laughs> but all you need to do is look back about four or five months. Late June, Cleveland yeah. Guardians lost 14 of 18 games. They had two five-game losing streaks in there. And all they did was come back and have one of the best records in baseball for the second half of the season. If there's a silver lining to me, it's like, how do you, what do you take away from the losing that's going to help you get better in the future? And maybe part of that is they needed to be reminded that they ain't just going to roll out and win every game. You know, they got to play defense a certain way. They got to move the ball and they've got to get more balanced scoring in order to win these games. So losing my friends is a good thing. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Cavs. Yeah. It's a great week. Yeah. yeah. Go Cleveland sports. <laughs> Look at how quickly I turned that around. All right. Next week, things, well, maybe get a little bit easier for the Cavs. Cavs start by heading further on up the road on Wednesday against the best there is Milwaukee Bucks. Then they come home for the bad Hornets. And get to stay home next Sunday for the maybe not that good, maybe they're bad, Miami Heat. Are the Cavs tougher than the rest? Will they have a winning record this week? Yeah, I, I think they bounce back with a 2-1 and one week uh, this week. I don't know who they'll lose to, but 2-1 and one at the end of it, it doesn't matter. That's a good week. Yeah, I, I think they... They fall at two and one, and I think they lose Wednesday uh, to the Bucks. They're really great. No, they're not secretly shitty anymore, right? Can we can we agree on that? Absolutely, uh, great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Two and one sounds just fine to me as as a bounce back from a tough week this past week. That will wrap up our sip of wine and gold. Deep breath. Let's move on to skid marks. The brown and orange road to the darkness on the edge of town. Our weekly look at the Cleveland Browns. Browns dominated by a better than I would have ever believed Dolphins team they lose 39 to 17 they drop to three and six on the season tied with the Steelers for last in the AFC North what caused the loss today was it a untimely penalties b poor run defense c poor run offense d humidity e none of the above there was no all of the above. Yeah, I thought there'd be an all of the, <laughs> the above. Well. Son of a bitch. I was waiting for that one. I'm definitely circling F. All F, of the above. All of the above. Go <laughs> yeah. ahead. Yeah. Um, well, it, there's no all of the above there. So I I not that they would have won the game had this been better, but it, they would have been in the game had this been better. Was one of the options our run defense? 
Yes. B. Right? B. B. Yeah. Because <laughs> almost were... always go with B, Phil. B. Yeah. Right. It's the right answer. <laughs> I was again. I was waiting for that all of the above. I was throwing a little bit, but the the B is my answer given your your uh, options because the defense got shredded with the running game again. There were actually plays where if they were playing one hand touch, the guy would have still <laughs> scored. They didn't even <laughs> touch the running back. No one touched him. It was so bad, so bad. I love that our old flag football team, Whizbang, could have probably rushed for 150. <laughs> oh on my the gosh! Easily to pull a flag, 200 yards <laughs> rushing against the defense. You had to pull a fucking flag, well, and they couldn't even touch a guy. Chuck, what was the what was the cause of today's loss? There's a lot of things, but predominantly, I'm gonna, I'm going to stick with B. I don't know if it ended at some point, but they were averaging almost seven yards a run. Uh, and you would think if any team is averaging seven yards a run, it might be our Cleveland Browns uh, against a pass first team. They're giving up seven yards. I was dumbfounded that they keep, well, for most of the game, uh, Hill and Waddle in check, and they're still down two plus touchdowns. Like, how's that yeah. possible? You know, how's that possible? I, I felt that way through about three quarters. I thought, gosh, they're actually doing okay because they're controlling these biggest, these big weapons. We just got to get some points. And it's just, just never happened. Just all around. Every facet of the game, the Browns got beat. I don't really want to talk that much about it. Do you guys want to do a one-minute rant? Do you want me to just let you each go for a little bit and just just have at it? <laughs> Phil's taking it. He's like, one minute of free talking? Hell yeah. No, no, I'm no. All I, I have a hard time. I, 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 I don't want to say yes because I have a hard time keeping to a minute. The Browns today, it was all about their defense coming into this game against a, a quarterback that I know – Gerbs, maybe you're buying into two and now. I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't see this guy play much until today. And he, he's really fucking good. He's really yeah. good. And we took away, not, we didn't stop him, but we took away the pass a bit, right? Like, I mean, it, it was okay. Like we played defense, decent defense against his, his passing attack, but he was putting the ball in places that just, just to rub salt in the wounds. I don't know if you guys heard this at all, but Boomer Esiason said that he hadn't seen, yes, he hadn't Bernie seen Kozar. exactly. Yeah. He hadn't yeah. seen a quarterback uh, throw the ball like that since Bernie Kozar. I'm like, oh god damn it! <laughs> but yeah. um, I don't want to blame the offense at all. I know they had a, a rough day running the ball for sure. We still have kind of a backup offense on the field, and our defense just sucks and gets worse every week. They had no pressure on the quarterback, none, zero, zero. I didn't see any one of our stud defensive players into his face today at all. And they, I think uh, to Chuck's point, they were averaging seven yards per rush. They ended the game averaging almost seven and a half yards per play. Oh, <laughs> you can't, God, you yeah. can't, not only can you not <laughs> win football games that way, you can't even hope to be in football games. If you're giving up seven and a half yards <laughs> per play. Uh, and I don't have an answer. I don't know what they do. Uh, on defense, uh, there are some key injuries. You could have used the JOK out there today, right? A, a fast linebacker, but I don't know. Still, they can't stop running. The Dolphins came into this game as one of the worst running teams in the NFL. Ah, welcome to the Browns defense. Now you're the second best. All right, just under a minute. Way to go. Yeah, Chuck. Know, it's probably about a five-minute range. <laughs> I think we can all agree maybe, maybe this team needs defensive tackles who can play football because Phil's Phil's right like you, you didn't see Clowney or Garrett make any difference today at any point and, and Tua might negate that he he gets rid of the ball in two two to two and a half seconds the ball is out of his hand so that's going to neutralize guys as talented as Miles Garrett and Clowney man I, I still think Kendrick Willis sucks 
Uh, he he's not good. And I, the only thing I, if I'm, I still have like 20 some seconds, Stefanski said after the game, and this is why I hate his guts right now. We got to look at the plan as far the as time, the, run. the time is fake. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you have to look at the plan at stopping the run when you had two weeks to do this? Uh, but I do respect Miles Garrett saying it doesn't matter if you're ready to run through a wall if it's in the wrong direction. So that's some shade. I assume he's throwing yeah. at Joe Woods there, oh, absolutely. which is, which is about time. Um, so uh, overall, uh, I don't think I'm as mad as I typically would be because as we kind of said, it became comical at one point that they're just getting whooped this bad. So onward and upward, at least they got an easy one this week. coming up. <laughs> I will freely admit to being wrong a lot about sports. And I was a hundred percent wrong about Tua really impressed me. Not just the fact that he beat up the Browns, but some of the throws he made today were incredible just all over it. And he, he, he is a much better quarterback than than I thought he was. All right, moving on. All signs beginning to point to a big matchup on January 8th in Pittsburgh. Browns and Steelers in another classic matchup to determine last place in the division. <laughs> Scale of one to five. One, being in the waiting room for the dentist. Five, being in the vasectomy waiting room. <laughs> How excited are you, are you for that storyline at the end of the season? Man, I, I, I'm just going to sit somewhere in the middle because I'm still having children at my ripe age. But, uh, you know, like a win there could carry us through the offseason with hope. So uh, that's why I'm at a two because I don't know where else to be on your scale. Both of those are not great options, but I'll, I'll sit at a two. I like going to the dentist. I, I do. I, <laughs> I, I, I do. I Every six months I go to the dentist. My dentist is a big Browns fan, fellow season ticket holder. You know, we don't really do a lot of. He doesn't do a lot of dental work. We do a lot of talking about Browns <laughs> and the vasectomy thing. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've never been there. So the scale's a bit confusing, but I'm all for the Brown Steelers game, meaning something, anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. I'm a five getting a vasectomy. sounds like it's going to be terrible, but uh, all right. Next know, week, pizza and ice. And you sit there and watch sports for three days. That's like a good deal. <laughs> Uh, I do that a lot anyway, without anybody having to snip away <laughs> yeah, anything yeah, sure. in my well, manner. You and I, so, yeah. you, you and I, you and I are probably in a, yeah. We don't need to sit in the vasectomy waiting room. We can just have our ice and pizza anyway. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Next week, gulp. Browns play the Bills in Buffalo. No one in their right mind takes the Browns in that game. None of us did preseason. Somebody. Anybody be crazy. Who wants to change their pick and come up with a way for the Browns to win next week? <laughs> is josh allen playing is he playing yeah. is his elbow yeah. hurt he plays today if he throws left-handed do they still lose by 30 next week <laughs> i think it's if possible. he throws i think if he throws left-handed we we're we only lose by two scores all right that's all a moral right. victory then yeah, that's right take whatever we can get at this point Ugh. enough cleveland sports why don't we close out this segment of the show take our first break hopefully have some more fun talking football and soccer on the road. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, start in the NFL. What the fuck are the Colts doing? Frank Reich was apparently standing on some rocky ground. He got fired. Then the Colts hired former high school coach and ESPN personality, also former NFL player, Jeff Saturday as their head coach. So, is Jeff Saturday brilliantly disguised as a head coach or is Jim Ursay an idiot? And before you answer, the Colts did win today. Yeah. Well, 
this might fall in line with my thought that we could do better than the Browns because what <laughs> Jeff Saturday did was like, you know, Matt Ryan, you play quarterback. <laughs> That's what he did. And they won because, you know, he at least a proven quarterback in the NFL, but man, I don't know. That's a mess in Indy for sure. I thought it was really weird that a guy who has <laughs> no coaching experience at a collegiate or pro level is handed a NFL franchise from what is my uh, second least favorite owner in the NFL? I think he is a close second to Daniel Schneider. I think Ursay is a weirdo. Um, but I think there's a, a I want to dig a little deeper because they played the Raiders. And I am now convinced, even though I went to college with Josh McDaniels, that Bill Belichick has released him on the NFL to destroy franchises for 10 <laughs> to 15 years where they should be better than they really are. I guess maybe Ursay is like an evil genius. Like the Colts season was done anyway. So why not bring in this guy and see what it's like for everybody? And it makes for good content. Uh, that's the best I can come up with. All right, let's talk about what was actually going on on the field for the NFL this week. What was the better win today? The Vikings crazy OT win over the Bills or the Bears losing to the winning streak don't speak Detroit Lions? <laughs> as, as much as I love to see that Detroit Lion win and uh, see their coach just like lose it on the sideline two in a row, that's great. The, the better game uh, is probably the, the Vikings and the Bills because it was absolute insanity. Even if you only got it when they went to bonus coverage like, like it happened here, I pretty much saw the whole, it was a whole game in about a minute and a half of actual clock time. So one of the most wild and fun games I've seen in, in about a minute and a half. What a different feel we have for our beloved Lions with a two-game <laughs> winning streak. They have the <laughs> same... Man. They have the same record as our beloved Cleveland Browns, and it seems oh. like a completely different feel going <laughs> right. in opposite directions, right? But the better game was was the Vikings over the Bills. I, both of those teams are Super Bowl caliber teams, and for the Vikings to come out of that with a win in Buffalo and stay one game behind our well, it's not what do we call the Eagles? Our our goose, our goose, goose. our goose, not our our second favorite team, our second favorite team. Uh, That was huge. Uh, The the Vikings are secretly really good. They're really good. They're eight and one. That was a huge win. I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the lions winning. That was exciting. And I think the one thing it probably does is it guarantees that Dan Campbell is still the head coach at the beginning of next year. I don't know if he gets through next year, but I think they went on, on a winning streak. They won a game on the road against a Chicago team that's not bad. So, you know, I think the fact that they guaranteed he's around at least for all the games before their bye week next season, I'll give that big win to the Detroit Lions. So who was the biggest loser this week? The team that had the worst loss. Saints lost to the Steelers. Now that's a tough loss, but the Saints are still only like two games out in the AFC South, so they're still kicking. (laughs) Uh, The Cowboys lost to a Packers team that may have quit two weeks ago. And as we just discussed, the Raiders lost to a bad Colts team coached by Chris Berman. (laughs) Who was the the biggest loser of the week? I think I had to put on the Cowboys because they've had a a really good season thus far. Whether the adversity of their quarterback being hurt for four or five weeks and you run into the Packers who have lost four in a row, but I guess you can't lose five in a row. Uh, You go to overtime and lose that game. To me, that's the most disappointing loss for a Cowboy team that I think is really good. But yeah, the Packers, I don't like them at all. 
mostly because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, but that's that's a that's a shitty team that you should beat up on, and they just didn't. Cowboys Packers game. It's it's in the category of you hate to see it, right? Like either works both ways. All right, you hate to see it, no matter what happens at the end of that game. But that's that's a huge loss for that Dallas team because all of a sudden that NFC East is good. What the fuck happened there? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. whole division has completely turned around and they're trying to chase an undefeated team in the Eagles. And then, so basically the Cowboys are looking for wild card positioning and to lose to a Packers team that, like you said, Gers, basically gave up two weeks ago. That's not good. It went to overtime, right? It, it yeah. was an overtime game. I don't know. There's something about the Cowboys that's just, they're just not, they're just not good. They have all, all the right pieces and they just can't get it together. They're like a good version of the Browns, right? Exactly. They exactly. just yeah. they, they just can't seem to win games, but they still win some games. Not what the Browns do. <laughs> I'm going with the Raiders. Your your head coach has been a high level offensive coordinator in this league for a really long time. He has head coaching experience from his time with the Broncos, and he's been the head coach of the Raiders for like eight games. He just lost to a team quarterbacked by Matt Ryan, who was coached by a guy who's never coached an NFL game in any aspect in his entire life. My gosh, Raiders were supposed to be good, and they keep finding ways to be even worse. I thought that was the worst loss of the day. I can't believe Jeff Saturday has a win in his debut as, as an NFL head coach. Since we are now into the second half of the season, let's kind of take a pause and look around at the division leaders and playoff contenders in each conference. Seven teams will make the playoffs this year. So if you're four division winners and three wildcard teams, we'll start in the NFC. I think the NFC North and the East are probably set for their division winners. Vikings are eight and one after their wild win today. Eagles still undefeated atop the East. Can we agree that those two teams are winning those divisions? Yes. Yeah. All right. NFC West Seahawks are in the lead. Do we think the 49ers can catch them or are the Seahawks winning that division? How are the Seahawks in the lead? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, weren't they supposed to tank this year to get their next quarterback? So, what is happening? <laughs> you know, what Smith, man. That's an interesting division. So they're in the lead. What's what's their record? Is it like a five and three? They're six and four. Six and four. Six and four. Yeah, I think the I think the 49ers can catch them because of the way that that might be a division that is won at a maybe a ten and seven, nine and eight kind of record. Chuck, what do you think? The 49ers catching the Seahawks? Yeah, for sure. They're getting healthy. You know, I think last week. Maybe not tonight as, as I'm kind of peeking up. Last week, they sure maximized Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I don't know if that's happening this week, but that guy really alters that offense and takes some pressure off Garoppolo. So I, I think there's no reason they shouldn't catch the Seahawks. They have to catch them. I mean, Phil's right. They, they were tanking. They get, <laughs> You thought they were just positioning for number one, two, or three overall to get one of these quarterbacks, but maybe they don't need them. But I still think the Niners grab, grab that division. All right. So we agree then the 49ers, because I agree with you guys. 49ers take the West. I think better offense, and they still got a good defense in San Francisco. The downbound train of the NFC South may be rolling in a new direction. Since I predicted the Falcons would win the division, they've lost two in a row, including to the Panthers on Thursday. Tampa Bay won a game in like a whole other country this morning against the Seahawks. Saints lost to the Steelers today. Tampa is in first place at 500 with a commanding one-game lead. 
Is Tampa Bay now in the conductor's seat for that division? Tampa Bay is going to run away with this division. They're starting to play better football. I don't know if you guys watched any of that game. This It was really early because it was in Germany. Like, shout out to Germany for loving NFL football. Absolutely. Every first down yeah. was like a touchdown. Every touchdown was like a Super Bowl winning drive. Uh, I, I was super excited. Like, man, these guys are really up at 930 in the morning. It wasn't 930 there. I'm pretty sure there's no. a time difference. Between <laughs> yeah, there is. Germany. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but like, it was super exciting. Germany and, and... is not just east of Europe. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the Buccaneers are going to start their run here, even if they only win the division by one or two games. All right, Phil, you agree Tampa Bay? Winning that division? Yeah, Tampa Bay is going to win the division. I think they can win that division even with a barely above 500 record. If they end up 9-8, and eight, they win that division. Okay, I agree. So that means our division winners are Eagles, Vikings, Buccaneers, 49ers. The wild card teams, I would say, probably then are the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Seahawks. Should we stop the NFC's season right now? Or is there another team rising that may sneak in some options, commanders, Packers, Falcons, bucket, the lions, anybody else <laughs> breaking up that party? I don't think so. I think you can stop the season right now. I think we've, we've seen enough of the teams you've mentioned the commanders. I don't know how they compete. To be honest, they're a game under 500, which is amazing to me uh, as much as I like. The, I know the lions are on a heater, man, and we're about to make a run here, but I think they come up short, but yeah, if you stop the season, Today or in eight weeks, I still think it looks the same with the teams you mentioned. They're the only three teams in the NFC right now with winning records yeah. uh, outside of our predicted division winners. So I, I think they could just go ahead and stop the season in the NFC right now. There we go. AFC, probably a little more complicated. The AFC West and the South are decided. Chiefs and Titans taking those divisions. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. AFC North. The Ravens are a game up on the Bengals right now. The Ravens' remaining schedule, in order, Panthers, Jags, Broncos, Steelers, Browns, Falcons, Steelers, oh, Bengals. No. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. It's like 7-1. So the, the, yeah, maybe 8-0. Oh. Yeah, maybe 8-0. Oh. <laughs> the Bengals have on their remaining schedule the Titans, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Bills, oh. the Patriots, and the Ravens. Oh, my God. Who do you think is winning the AFC North? The, the Ravens. Um, the Bengals haven't won a game in the division yet. They're, they're screwed, even though they're in second place. Yeah, you're the, right. I didn't even the, thought of that. Yeah. The, the Ravens are going to win this division. Chuck? Your Cleveland Browns. Uh, <laughs> that's the Ravens, more than likely. We are 2-1 and one in the division. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Moral victories. All right, so the Ravens take the AFC North. Now things get interesting. AFC East, Bills have lost two in a row. The Dolphins are now in first place. Every team in the division has a winning record. All of the teams in that division will play at least three interdivision games before the end of the season. Who is winning the AFC East? They all have winning records. If Allen is healthy enough to keep playing the rest of the season, I'm going to say the Bills win the division, but you're going to get one, maybe two more playoff teams out of that division. Don't, don't jump the gun crazy. yet. <laughs> don't jump yet. So I'm going with Bills. Bills. Uh, I can't dig a little deeper here, but I'd be interested to know where Miami's playing late this month and in December. Yeah. Uh, if it slows down that offense a little bit, if they're playing in New England, if they're playing in uh, Buffalo, because they're a really good team, man. Um, but I still think 
You know, look, we all agree that the Bills were the best team in football at the beginning of this year and a couple of weeks ago. And even though they're running into some bumps, I'm I'm going to give the Jason Gerber school of losing here. Today was a good thing for those Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I still think they they win the division only because I think they're uh, other than not really having a great running game. That that team's phenomenal. So we're all on the Bills. So that means our division winners are the Chiefs, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Bills. That leaves Jets, Dolphins. Chargers as the last three in the AFC to reach the playoff land of hope and dreams. Any chance the Bengals get in and bust up that party? No, no, no. That schedule is way too rough. Um, so yeah, whatever you said, I think is the way it shakes out. Bengals or anybody else? Yeah, right. Uh, so somehow so getting into here's that. Here's what party. we're about to agree to. We're ag- we're agreeing to put the New York f-ing Jets in the playoffs and the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> okay, and the Chargers, who who are not good like they're not a good team still don't have their best two wide receivers i know so and probably won't ever yeah (laughs) they may not right like the the afc wild card and thank god for our beloved cleveland browns i think is a crapshoot right now i i I just can't buy into the jets i don't think they're making the postseason i don't they're six and three but something's gonna happen (laughs) i don't know what so if not the Jets, who 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 would you put so into Miami, those? So those Miami, three? yes. If if Buffalo's winning that division, Miami's in the right. playoffs. They're a good yeah. football team. I I guess the Chargers can keep winning, and then you know, I don't know. Maybe Jeff Saturday rolls into. Oh, stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Get off the <All> right. show. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I think, um, you know what sucks about all this is a shitty Bengals team could find themselves right back in the playoffs if they can get some win. If they get ten wins, if they get five more wins this season, somehow, some way, they could get there. But I'm, I'm sleeping on the Jets, and maybe that's my problem. Is it the Patriots? If it's not the Jets, is it the Patriots? Patriots. Probably no, no. Do those teams in the East beat each other up and somehow that allows the Bengals to sneak in? That's about the only way I can see it, but the Bengals have got such a tough road for yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I don't know. You're, you're right. I think it's one team from the North and it's Baltimore and then the entire AFC East makes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like what the hell? Amazing. I think All the right. AFC North, was going to be this year the AFC East, what the AFC East is. Yeah. Yeah. Thought the Bengals, Browns, and. All right. Well, there you go. We got the playoffs decided. We don't even have to watch <laughs> any more football games for the rest of the Thank year. God, all no. that time I can have on a Sunday. Speaking of not wanting to watch football games, let's talk a little college football. Yesterday was another boy, do I wish there was a super conference type of day. The four playoff teams won their games by an average margin of more than 26 points. And that would have been even higher, but TCU only won by seven. Is there anything worth talking about in college football this week? Did uh, did Alabama lose again? They didn't, did they? No, no they pulled it. No, they, it was a close yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, super yeah. close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we got too lucky with the loss last week. So no, no, there's nothing worth talking about in college football this week. Tulane lost. I didn't know they were a top twenty-five team until I watched Sports <laughs> Center like two something in the morning. And their jerseys are really cool. But other than that, no, there's there's nothing else to talk about. All right, moving on. Let's talk soccer. (laughs) All right. The World Cup kicks off next week and is basically the biggest sporting event on the planet. Now, the only things that I know about soccer come from watching Ted Lasso and one and a half episodes of Welcome to Wrexham. But we are a sports show and we can't miss out on covering this big an event. So let's talk some Team USA World Cup. Team USA is in Group B with Wales, England, and Iran. If 
freedom decides the group winner who is the first one out <laughs> the first oh, one out <laughs> iran yeah iran and you hope those guys can just defect to another country after they lose i would lean towards iran but it's closer than you think because in wales it is illegal to handle a salmon in a suspicious circumstance Think about that for a little bit, how yeah. it might impact your yeah. freedom. All right. So I guess a lot, Iran of, lot of gray there, right? <laughs> a lot of gray. Team USA is plus 100 to get out of the group and into the knockout round. Would you put your money on Team USA to reach the next round of the World Cup? I should know more about this because there's only one come out of the group. I've actually watched two. a bunch of World two. Cup. Two. Two. two yes. Two. Okay. So yeah. If, yeah. Plus 100. Those are. So nice. That's pretty nice odds for them to come out. I would assume it would be them in England. I don't believe in uh, the Iranians or the Welsh. Is that who Welsh. the other? Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how about that? Yeah, I'll take that bet. I, I think uh, I think Chuck's right. I think it's uh, England and, and the U.S. coming out of Group B. All right. I agree. Go Team USA. I think they're going undefeated in the World Cup. All right. <laughs> Um, the whole world cup. Nope. they're winning the world. <laughs> no, no. <Undefeated. laughs> all right so the four lowest ranked teams in the world cup from worst to fourth worst saudi arabia costa rica cameroon and tunisia which one of those teams is breaking out and scoring an upset by getting out of their group. I'm going with Cameroon. I have a I have a vision in my head like cool runnings. Like it's Cameroon <laughs> coming out. It's going to be beautiful. I'm going with Cameroon all the way. I was going to go there too. Who are the other three teams? Damn it, Phil took my Cameroonians. Go with Cameroon. Get out. Saudi get out of Cameroon. Arabia. No. no. Saudi Arabia, which I thought Phil was going with for sure. Costa Rica, Cameroon, and Tunisia. No, I'm, I think it's it's got to be Cameroon as well. I don't believe in any of the other footballers from those nations. Boy, I really think you guys are wrong. I'm going with Tunisia. It's the home of El Gem, a well-preserved 35,000-seat Roman amphitheater. So hopefully it's packed for all the games, rooting on the Tunisians for a win. Top four teams in the World Cup in order, Brazil, Argentina, Spain, and the Netherlands. Which of those teams or another do you think is going to take home the cup? I think Argentina wins it. I'm surprised the Netherlands are in the top four. That's amazing. They're always good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, soccer guy, what do you think? Who's winning? <laughs> Phil's probably right, Argentinians or Brazil. But I, I think the Netherlands have always done well over the last couple. And they have really cool kits. They usually wear orange and they have like yeah, the yeah. Roman brow lion. And yeah, so uh, they're my dark horse. I'm going to stick with them. I want to go with them. All right. Hey, I didn't even know there was a lion involved, but that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm yeah. going with the Netherlands too. go <laughs> Netherlands. I will say probably the best thing that I see about the world cup is that the group B games all start at like two o'clock in the afternoon during the week. So it's another opportunity to watch sports in the afternoon. Like it was the Olympics or something. We're going to be talking world cup until the thing is done. I don't even know how long that takes. It'll be a nice lead into the crunch starting their season, I think, sometime in January. Same level of play, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. All these, these World Cup guys wish they could get indoors. <laughs> Give me a break. They all want all the right. Wycliffe wall on their squad. <laughs> Fellas, with that, we're going to close out this segment, take our final break, come back, head off the field, and talk some Springsteen. I better go listen to the album one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field, and Bruce is back. Welcome to From the Land All Ears Masterclass. On Friday, wow. Bruce Springsteen released his... <laughs> A lot of pressure. Yeah. Pressure. <laughs> On Friday, Bruce Springsteen released his 21st studio album, Only the Strong Survive, a compilation of classic soul and Motown covers that Bruce put together during the pandemic lockdown. Now, before we get to the album, I want to play a little game. I want you to tell me whether this is a singer that Springsteen covered on Only the Strong Survive or a 1950s era baseball player. <laughs> First one, Jerry Butler. Uh, he covered him. He covered him. Led the album Ooh. off with him. Yeah. Well done. All right. Hey, he, there must be a couple on there from him because uh, Hey, Western Union Man was the song that yeah, uh, yeah. I thought with him. Yep. Okay. Next one, Billy Pierce. Baseball player. Second baseman. New York Giants. I'm just making that shit up. <laughs> I don't know what's Phil. He convinced me, even though it's total bullshit. All right. Well, you're like half right. Billy Pierce was a baseball player. He was a pitcher for the White Sox in the 50s. All right. All right next one, Sammy White. Oh, man. Sam Moore is on the album singing. I'm going to say baseball player. Uh, second baseman, New York Giants. Baseball player. <laughs> Oh, you guys are good. Sammy White was a catcher for the Red Sox, the Braves, and the Phillies in the 50s. Last one, Dobie Gray. Covered him. <laughs> I mean, he didn't. I mean, the only Dobie Gray song I know is Drift Away, which is a fantastic song. But I don't know if Dobie Gray had any other songs on this. Maybe he did. I I think it's a trick question. I'm going to say he covered him, even though I'm not sure what song it was on the album. Dobie Gray is actually the only one who is a baseball player and a singer. Oh, um, see, damn it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know if Dobie Gray played any baseball. Second base some point. for the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the song Soul Days that was okay. covered on the album ah, was It's by like a recent song, right? Like, that's Gray. not even that old. Yeah. On this album, Springsteen covers the Commodores, our friend Dobie Gray, Frankie Valley, Tyrone Davis, The Four Tops, Jerry Butler, The Temptations, Jerry Ruffin. One of the songs was also made by Aretha. What did you think about the choice of singers or groups that he decided to cover on this album? It's a great collection of old songs that I was really familiar with uh, before he even covered them. So it made me happy to hear a lot of these songs again in the same light. I won't say a different light, the same light. I really liked what he chose. It's it's not quite like the the deep cuts. It's it's that second tier of of music. I, I've heard all these songs before, but this was also a genre that I've really gravitated towards in my music loving history. So I, I really like what he chose. I, I feel like he kind of chose the songs that he loved, right? And that's what he did. Uh, he covered them, and to Chuck's point, didn't really change them and didn't really need to. I always look at him as a guy who is just like a student of music, all genres all over the place to me this was a kind of him going through and finding like his kind of lesser known favorite things like the stuff that really made him happy i think that's kind of what the whole album is about was him just finding something fun to do and something fun to work on and i think he kept to that and i i enjoyed that part of it i thought it was a good interesting list of of songs and and people he chose to cover when he started promoting this he said that this album was the first time he wanted to feature his voice rather than his songwriting or the music that he wrote on his own albums. How do you think he did singing these songs? 
he did really well. I think the voice, because he didn't change the songs that much, but I, I listened to it over and over again. And I thought, you know what? He's got, he's got the right voice for this, uh, the, this historic blues or R and B type music. Um, I thought it was great. I thought he did a good job. When I loaded this up on Friday and I saw the titles and I'm familiar with a lot of these songs, he exceeded my expectations vocally because some of these songs, man, like you're talking, you mentioned his brother, but David Ruffin is one of my favorite singers of all, all time, man. And I thought he did pretty well for, I wish it would rain. Yeah. So he, he yeah. exceeded my expectations where man. his voice was more on display mm -hmm. than I think I've ever really paid attention to. Uh, and that sounds like what he wanted to do. Yeah. I thought he sounded great. Uh, and it's amazing to me because the dude is 73 years old and like the pipes have not gone anywhere for him. And I've always thought he was a good singer. I, I've never understood the the notion that he didn't have a great voice or something like that. Although I think there are probably a lot of people who listen to his music and don't think there's anything special about it. He adapts it to a totally different genre than what he normally does. Although I still think there was a little bit of rock on this album more than just straight soul or motown but yeah i thought it sounded great stepping back a little bit just from the album uh what do you like best about soul music and motown music man that's a loaded question dude that, yeah right we can do a whole show on this i think <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel a certain way and it always has because i've heard these songs since i was very little uh especially like motown um and mostly, which I think is somewhat of the drawback of the album, that th these songs were a wall of sound. A lot of Motown songs had heavy horns and really great drums. And it, the, the backing track was just as important as, as the lyrics or the melodies. Man, that's such a tough question, dude, because I and I'll probably say it later in a little more depth, but like these songs make me feel a certain way because there's a memory attached to them for me, even though like we weren't alive when they came out, but it still makes me feel it makes me feel warm. Uh, and and that's that's why I think I like this album more than I thought I would. It's all about the emotion, and and it goes full spectrum here. It's it's the gospel music in the background, like Chuck alluded to, the horns, all that stuff. But what has always kind of hit me deep about Motown specifically, from when I was a young kid, um, and then even in our high school years, the three of us went to see the Four Tops and Temptations okay. when we were seventeen. Who does yeah. that? We did that. The The emotion of it, I will find myself dancing in my house, in my kitchen, to songs about despair, love lost, just as much as you find yourself dancing and shaking your ass to songs about hope and dreams. It's just, I don't know, it, it's almost like this music hits me deeper than other types of music. I, I think I feel pretty close to the same way that, that you do, Phil. What's fun about Motown is it, it's so effortlessly slides from romantic songs or heartbreaking songs to songs that make you want to dance. And then they're all kind of together. Um, like I felt the same way, man. I was dancing around my house all over the place this weekend, listening to this album and listening to, I mean, I don't listen to a whole lot of Motown anymore. Um, certainly been times in my life where I listen to it more than I do now. As I listened to the album, maybe the second or third time, I really started getting into like kind of that that smoothness of Motown and the fun that's in there and like the heartache man these guys man country music's got nothing on Motown for singing about sad shit yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Motown does it really really well and I think you see a lot of it for sure on this album Bruce's unofficial start 
in the music business is 1973. That's the release of Greetings from Asbury Park, his first album. So Only the Strong Survive comes out in year 49 of Springsteen's career. What does it say about Bruce at this time in his career that he chose to make this album? It changed my mind, right? Because when I saw this, when we first started talking about it, I went, hey, man, you know, like Michael McDonald did this shit in 2003 with like three different albums of covers. <laughs> and then Rod Stewart did it with three. And I'm like, is this is Bruce doing this, man? But I think there's a genuine love for these these songs out of him. And I'm not saying Michael McDonald, Rod Stewart didn't love this music, but you can kind of hear it like this shaped his life, even if most of his music doesn't sound like this, you know, like most of the stuff he put out in the 70s and the 80s. And even it doesn't sound like this. What does it say is that that a guy who's been doing this for so long, I'm surprised it took him this long to do what he wanted to do. Like, you know, he probably wanted to put this album out in the 80s. And maybe the 90s and the label's like, no, man, we need we need another tunnel of love or some bullshit. Uh, I'm happy that, you know, oh, it's, it's watch a, your mouth. <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm happy that like he got to write a love letter to like the music that kind of shaped him. And and I know like I've never seen him live like you have a million times. And I know he covers stuff, none of these songs, but, you know, like he loves this shit. And I could hear that in, in these songs where. I don't know if I heard it with not taking anything away from McDonald and, and Rod Stewart, but like there, there was something a little different about this. Uh, it felt more organic. So what does this say about Bruce at this stage in his career? Um, it says exactly what Chuck said there. This is a guy who's, he, he doesn't have to prove a goddamn thing to anybody at this stage in his career. He just released a really good album only a couple years ago, all original studio album. And it was phenomenal uh, beginning to end. Uh, so he keeps churning this out for longer than we've been alive. Uh, so at this point, what it says is, hey, he's going to turn around and 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 give kind of a, a a tip of the cap, so to speak, to the to the foundation of his life, right? That what what music brought him to where he got to. And what I really like to see, if you guys paid really close attention, is it said Volume One on the cover. There's more oh. to come. There's more to come of these covers. It, it Boy, says I didn't volume, even notice that. Yeah, it yeah. says volume yeah. one on the cover of this album. So I'm I'm expecting another 15 here in another uh, six months. <laughs> well, I wouldn't hold your breath um, because he starts a world tour, I think, in February. So not sure I think he's they're done be... already. I think they're already done. Like, I think to your point, he did all of. Yeah, this. he's not going to he's not going to release something in the middle of a tour, though. That's not. Oh. That's, that's I'm not, not going. how we I'm would normally do it. But <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you guys are saying, I guess there's a, there's a part of me that is um, like hopeful that I will reach a point in my life and in my career where I can do what he's doing, where you can say that, Hey, he's done everything under the sun. There's nothing to prove. There's nothing left to accomplish. So he's just going to go do something that he thinks is purely fun. He's going to go back to all this old music, redo it. He does play um, none of these songs, but he does play this type of stuff in his concerts. He's always been really connected to this type of music. And that's, I think, why you've always heard horns in, in his music as well. I mean, that's where this comes from. Uh, that wall of sound thing that you were describing, Chuck, that that's the Born and Run album. Uh, that yeah. was what he was yeah. going for when, when he made that. I love the fact that he just got to kick back and say, I'm stuck in my house during the pandemic. I wonder what I should do for fun. Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to record a really cool, really fun, interesting album. Good on you, Bruce. 49 years into your career. Can't say that I'm still going to be practicing law 49 years into that career. Now, Chuck, yeah. I'm going to ask a question. And if you don't want to answer it, you go ahead and tell me you don't want to answer it. 
but I think that you do. Your dad was absolutely a music guy. Yeah. Owned Tommy Edwards Records in Cleveland forever. Uh, if your dad were still with us, what would he think about this album? I think we would talk about it because there's a lot of songs on, on this album I love because of my dad. The weirdest thing about it is like, um, I don't think Night Shift's the strongest song on this album. I, I love that song. Uh, I've always loved that song, but listening to it, and maybe it's because like it unlocked a memory that as many times as I listened to that song, I, I didn't remember until I heard it on Friday that I was seven or eight when that song came out. And I can remember the conversation I had with my father about it saying, hey, it's the first time I heard lyrics where my dad explained it to me. He was like, you know, he's talking about Marvin Gaye and he's talking about Jackie Wilson, these guys who died. And it was the first time I analytically heard music because my father pointed it out to me when I was like seven or eight years old. Hearing that song, like I said, like that memory didn't exist until I heard it on Friday. Hmm. Wow. So Phil, I think your dad's an accountant. What, uh, what would he think about this album? I'll get to that. First of all, I'm glad Chuck answered the question. Um, thank you. Thanks, man. I listen to a lot of these songs because of Chuck's dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but my dad, Huge music fan, more of a Led Zeppelin kind of, you know, rock of the 60s and 70s kind of guy, more like got into Jethro Tull and shit like that. Right. Cool. But yeah, but he was um, he was all about the Motown scene as well. Like I, I he he bought me albums as I was growing up that kind of lean this way. His his mother was a huge uh, a Stevie Wonder fan, huge Stevie Wonder fan. So I would go to my grandmother's house and we would listen to old Stevie Wonder albums and, you know, that kind of thing. And when my dad found out that I was buying Temptations and Four Tops albums because of Chuck's dad, he was like, oh, this is great. It's great music. It's like what got, you know, got me through my childhood, those kind of things. So I think, and, and my dad is actually a better, is a bigger Bruce Springsteen fan than I am. So I think my dad would really right. like this album hey. no. <laughs> because he likes Springsteen more than I do. Um, I don't know that he likes Motown more than I do. You know what? I'm going to send him the link tomorrow and, and see if he listens to it. Good deal. Good deal, fellas. All right. So what's your favorite song on the album? I wish it would rain. It was hard to pick one. I really like this album. I like the songs he chose. I like the music. I like every part of it. I kept coming back to the songs that I listened to the most from the original artists. And that was the four tops and the temptations, maybe the Commodores with, with night shift. But uh, so I kept going back between four tops when she was my girl and, and temptations. I wish it was, would rain, but I wish it would rain is such a good song. It's so, it's such a depressing, but, but like, yeah, like, but we've mentioned this before too, right? Like we, we love our music with that, that bit of melancholy, that, that, that despair, you know, that it feels like real true human emotion. And I think Bruce did a great job with that song. So that was my favorite. It took me a few listens to shut off my brain and not judge them against the original because it's really hard. Because if, if I'm looking at that track list, I wish it were Rain's my favorite song out of out of that list. But again, David Ruffin is my maybe favorite male vocalist of all time. So I'm going to go with what the song his brother saying. I think Bruce does an awesome job of what becomes of the brokenhearted. It is a great song that it really fit his voice well. So I think after multiple listens right now, that's that's my favorite track on the album. I liked Hey Western Union Man, Someday We'll Be Together, but it it's don't play. I thought that was my favorite. That was one I went back and jumped on YouTube and found some other versions of it. And that was one that uh, Aretha had done and she sings it better. Um, but he still sings it really good. Uh, that was, that was my favorite song on the album. All right. Give me your bourbon scale, scale of one to five. Where do you put only the strong survive? 
that rhymed. <laughs> I really would have liked to have heard the E Street Band on this album. I think the horn guys were on it, some of them at least. But there were times where I listened to these songs, and and I'm not trying to shit on it because they might have sounded a little like karaoke backing tracks, and those songs deserve way better. However, this is a, a really feel-good record about feeling bad. Uh, <laughs> and and if, it, if it emotes that I'm happy listening to it, uh, I'm, I'm going to put it at a, at a three, only because like I, I think, which is weird, his voice exceeded the expectations I had for the songs, but the backing tracks did not. So I knew all weekend you would ask me this question. Been here before. Yeah. <laughs> And I wanted to rate this album really high because I really enjoyed it. And I really, I really danced a lot in my house to songs about really depressing love lost and reminiscing over despair and these kind of things. And that's, that's a crazy thing for music to be able to do that. Right. Like I, I shouldn't feel, I don't feel good about what the, what he's singing about, but I, I can't stop moving. Like I can't stop moving. This is great. So I kept leaning towards like a three or a four, maybe, a, maybe I'll give it a three and a half. I'll just split the middle. It's an album that I listened to a ton and really enjoyed beginning to end. And I'll probably listen to it some more, you know, in the, in the coming weeks, I guess I didn't know what he would do with these songs. I thought maybe I'd get a little bit more of a, I mean, kind of a differing from the, the originals. And I didn't get that. And that's, that's okay because he didn't want to do that. He had fun. Like you said, Gerbs, he had fun with this and he did such a good job vocally it's a really good album, but not a great album. Yeah, I would never put this in like the pantheon of of his best work. That's not what he's trying to do. And that's that's not, I don't think, what it's about. And I agree with you, Chuck. Like what's great about Motown is the depth of the sound behind the vocals. Yeah. And it did seem like it was lacking a little bit of that. I think that one of Springsteen's tricks is he puts out an album and you like it. And then you go see him play it live and you love it. And I'm really looking forward to whatever these songs he throws into the set list on the next tour and to see it live with the entire band behind him. There'll be background singers and stuff like that. I think that'll give you a really, really great sound that maybe this was lacking, but I'm wildly biased. So I'm going to give it a four. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm going to keep listening to it. And like I said, I cannot wait to see this get to see this get played on on the tour that starts next year so that's it for only the strong survive but that was not the only music that came out this week as we've been texting about for the last couple of days there's some other stuff out there that i wanted to hit so let's do all ears one word hot take nas came out with a new album king's disease three chuck what's your one word hot take uh exceptional jordan shooting free throws with his eyes closed just because he can that's what this album is. Oh, wow. Cool. Tough act to follow, Denko. What do you got? Chuck is, is 100% correct. It, I will say my one word take is is smooth, and I'll explain that by really focusing on Nas as a lyricist. Like He he is unbelievable. And, and, and in this album, kind of what Chuck alluded to with the Jordan analogy, it's, it's like he's just like, listen, I know I'm the greatest there is at this, and I'm going to do some things in this album to prove it. He changed his pace up mid song, mid track. It was, it was really good. Nothing in my mind will ever beat Illmatic in Nas's catalog. But a lot of that has to do with where I was when that album came out and, and a wildly 
you know, highly rated album to begin with, but uh, this album is really, really good. So I, I, smooth lyricist is where I'm at. My one word hot take is nostalgic because I love the way he looks back at who he was in like the nineties and the two thousands and like what his career was doing and what other things he was doing. And the song first time where he's talking about, you know, that first time you hear your favorite artist, you don't even know yeah. they're your favorite artist yet, but it hits you somehow. I thought that was really cool. So nostalgic would be my one word hot take for Nas. Our old friend, Zach Bryan, who for fuck's sake can't do anything but put out new music. <laughs> On Friday, he released a Spotify two song EP, Greatest Day of My Life. What's your one word hot take for more Zach Bryan music? <laughs> one word hot take is is Reflection. I'll, I'll expand on that with my sentence or two and, and say like, I, I listened to these two, there was two songs, right. That he released. Uh, and, and both songs are about him kind of reminiscing on something. It's all about the past. It's all about him kind of being in a quiet moment or even leaving his current situation to reflect. Uh, and, and, and one had a real fun kind of party tone to it. I think that was the, the 5th of May. And then the other yeah. one was, was more of a, not, I wouldn't say somber, but more of a reflecting kind of reminiscent type type tone to it. Uh, my one word is detailed. Since I've discovered him or you guys brought him to my attention, there is an unrivaled level of detail in his music, in his lyrics that draws me in that a lot of country, it doesn't matter the format uh, or the genre. It, it's a masterclass of drawing me in to listen to what this guy's saying word for word. I like it. My one word hot take is photographic. Because I love guys who can write songs that paint a very clear picture. Yeah. Yeah. No. Take it back to Springsteen. Barefoot girl sitting on the hood of a Dodge drinking warm beer in the soft summer rain. You see it. And he does it in both of these songs. Like you can just see the picture, man. It was really well done. I don't know. We'll see what he comes out with next week. Uh, hopefully it'll be just as good. Um, but before we go, why don't we talk some worst fantasy league ever? Gerber trade report. I tried to tr trade a bunch of people to Bonhard. He never responded. I'm not sure you ever even saw it or looked at it or knew that it was out there. So that didn't happen. We have not, though, in a really long time, talked some shit. So why don't we go ahead and talk some shit for next week's opponents? Denko, you're playing Bonhard. Call him and tell him so that he knows. <laughs> I think he, I think you just did all the shit talking for me. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. I, I was about to say, like I, this, this will continue my ridiculous win streak after after the monster trade that I agreed to with you, Gerbs. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna win this week, and next week I'm sure to win because I don't unless someone calls Bonhart. I don't know that he knows he's playing in the fantasy football league right now. All right, Chucky. You're playing Shantz next week. Talk some shit. The only good thing Shantz ever did for me was say he was coming back to John Carroll his sophomore year, knowing he wasn't, he was going to leave school uh, and join up. So we went under the guise that he was coming back. He was my roommate, knowing I would get the room all to myself. Oh, nice. <laughs> the best nice. thing he ever did for me. But then they put a 28-year-old man I had never met as my roommate after the first semester, James, um, who was a computer weirdo. Uh, so as much as I loved him for that, I hate him for making me live with Jeff James for half a semester. So, uh, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm playing Miller. As you know, Miller has a tiny bladder and needs to pee about every 23 minutes. 
all that getting up to go is going to wear him down. I think I can take advantage of that. Miller is going down next week. And boy, do I need a win because I think I've lost every game since I traded my players to Phil. Yes. <laughs> but fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Flavor Flav was caught flipping out this weekend when he missed his Spirit Airline. You heard that correctly, Spirit oh, Airlines. No. Oh, no. Flight from Vegas to Detroit. With that news that sound professional financial planning is a good idea for everyone, <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week. And let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Oh, no. Play <laughs> <laughs>
What would you do? <laughs> would Would you tell Ernest Biner to put two hands on the ball? You know, would you? <clears throat> I don't know. That's fine. Gosh, there's so much stuff you could fix in Cleveland with a time yeah. machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so much so that this really should be something we're working on more than we are right now. Focus our energy on that. The yeah. space time yeah. continuum yeah. rather it's than time ever, to... ever building a solid franchise. <laughs> yes. Time machine I'm be just way talking easier. about the three of us. Maybe we're wasting our time with this silly podcast. We should be trying to come up with a time machine. No way. We go back and start this podcast way at the beginning. Be like the second podcast ever. Austin, like fucking who's the bald guy who uh does Joe the Rogan? commentating for UFC? Yeah, that guy. Be us uh, and Joe Rogan. Us, us and Rogan. Fucking Rogan. <laughs> I think we could take him. We could take him. Oh no, we can't. No, we cannot. Huh. No, we close. cannot. No. So Chuck, sometimes I get myself so wrapped up in keeping track of the time and getting from topic to topic and stuff like that. Uh, I want to apologize. I think I kind of stepped on like a very emotional answer you had about no, your dad, I got it which all is exactly out. what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, no, I got I it all that, out. Um, I, didn't, I didn't feel like you stepped on. Yeah, it. not at you, all. You no. let him talk about it. No, and, yeah, uh, yeah. It was su- it was super weird because that that Commodore song mm-hmm. exists in playlists for me. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. remember it until I heard I was sitting That's wild. at my work That's desk wild. and I'm like, whoa, like it just kind of, I yeah. can remember yeah. that conversation with him explaining yeah. to me that he's talking about Marvin Gaye. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a seven. I'm like, who's Marvin Gaye? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was great. Then so, you yeah. saw back, back to the future. Marvin, <laughs> listen to this. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, so that was, that was the best part of listening to this, this album was that That's it was awesome. just like, oh man, these songs yeah. are great. You know, all these the, songs are really great. It was just tough judging them against yeah, originals. And yeah, I tried to turn yeah. my brain. I'm like, don't do that, man. That's not what this is. So. And I think you, you hit on um, like the toughness of like the environment that he recorded in Yeah, because he didn't, it was during the pandemic. He couldn't right. get like the whole yeah. band together to play it. He mm-hmm. was, there probably are like pre-recorded things that are like laid down behind that. He had like his sound engineer played, a bunch of instruments yeah. on it and stuff. Yeah, like, you yeah. know it's like yeah. you just couldn't get the whole band together for it um i will say that the greatest advice well not even advice but the most memorable thing your dad ever said to me chuck i think i probably told you this a bunch of times but uh i we were dry he was driving us to practice um and I was trying to argue with him from the back seat of his car why I thought crisscross was going to be awesome. Oh, and I remember him just shaking his head and being like, they'll be pumping gas in six months. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it has stuck with me. Yeah. It has stuck with me forever, man. It Pretty was great. so, I remember like I was appalled, like they had just yeah. dropped the bomb and, you know, yeah. things were going great for them. Yeah, we, we talked about, we like I said, we would have talked about this album because I would have saw it coming and be like, Hey, um because there were times where there there's a great 10 minute version of wilson pickett doing papa's got a brand new bag and it's phenomenal and i can remember it was the first time i was i was taught i was in Erie already so this is gosh who knows how long ago but i said hey i want you to listen to this you ever heard it and he's like no and i said it's better than the original and 10 minutes later he looked at me he goes you're right uh, so oh, like cool. I, I would have talked about this with with my dad like hey man he did a yeah. really nice job on, like his voice i was shocked man how well bruce's voice sounded I'm like yeah. he can't hit these songs and, and he did so that's why i, yeah. I like the album it was good
my sick ass has got to go to bed. Hell yeah. I, hope, I hope you feel better. Yeah, I hope you feel better. Yeah, me too. Yeah. This is bullshit, man. <sighs> between like my fucking lip and like not feeling well, man, I feel like I've lost like two and a half weeks. My uh, life sucks. Turn that <clears throat> frown upside down. Let's do it. Okay. The hundred greatest taglines of all time. <laughs> you just got it. You got that's, right. that was no- that's a good one. Yeah. Where's what, what the was beef? that? Was that, was that the <laughs> Turn that frown upside down. Was that was that Kitty City? Is that what that was? Uh, it was or, uh, um Children's no, Palace or Kitty City, right? Like Toys R Us. I don't know if it was Kitty Toys City, man. Toys R Us have the draft. They didn't have the draft. It had a draft. Kitty City had the kangaroo, and he would jump on yeah. the frown. Yeah, and he would jump on the frown. Kitty yeah. City turned that frown upside down. Wow. Jeez, wow. this is a good outtake. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good and terrible. <laughs> All right, fellas. All right, guys. Have All right, guys. Time, All right, man. Love, Love you guys. Love you. See you Bye. soon. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?